0: Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson. The Last Nighters and The Last Nighters are part of the Launchpad Media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Warriors. And our friend Mike C. is going to come out to play on this episode, which will be episode 87 of the show. You can find the show on this one at eighty-seven. And before we get to that, uh, Robert and I, are your guests or yeah. hosts? We're your hosts. Oh, we yeah. have a guest, Mike C. He's been mm. with us many, many times in the past. He's a he's a good friend from the Great White North. Uh, he feels favorite with you, and this is one of his favorite movies. So, Mike C., welcome to the show. It's uh, it's been Hey-o. it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, you are a popular guest for us. Your shows, your appearances get a lot of uh, views, listens, uh, traction, and action. So, welcome. Oh, back. great!
1: Glad to hear that. So one of the things... Thanks for having me.
0: One of the things <laughs> about, about this movie is you have created what I consider a musical masterpiece. And it's like a concept album that utilizes the Warriors' audio clips and some of the soundtrack for a good portion of the album, the concept album.
1: Yeah, about about half?
0: Yeah, roughly half of it. And so I think that ties in really well with... Um, part of our discussion tonight about this movie because as we said it is one of your favorites and so i kind of want to interweave that with your music and then we'll of course have a link to the album and your other work on the show notes page at lastnight.com slash 87
1: thank you uh that's very nice of you to say um about the masterpiece part uh yeah no it's hard it's yeah i, I mean it doesn't have a lot of traction i guess out there i get a lot like get some views i got about like my entire spectrum of work i think on Sound and SoundCloud is about twelve hundred views over four years, so that it's not a crazy amount, right?
0: All right. Well, take um, this. I comments. try to
1: get that particular one out there.
0: Well, take mm-hmm. take the compliments with a grain of salt and consider
1: the source. No, thank no. What I was saying is that I really appreciate that because I think it's very good, uh, and it's nice to get some sort of external validation on what I've done. So.
0: All right. Well, you're welcome. And uh, I say it in the uh, non-Michael Mouse sense. Okay. <laughs> All right, so mm. we start off with the Google description usually. So, uh, Robert and Mike, if you guys are ready, mm. we can get into this movie. I'll give you my thoughts. All right, we want those <laughs> thoughts, Robert. This is going to be a contentious turf battle, I
1: think. Oh, oh, weird. Robert doesn't like a movie.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I have my reasons. How cliche. Yeah, you
1: don't like movies. <laughs> That's the reason. It's just a blanket problem.
0: The anyway, host, let's hear it. The host of a movie movie podcast. You doesn't like movies. Perfect. All That's right.
1: Good. You got a Cisco Lieber thing going on
0: we do oh yeah sneak preview teaser style next year the voluntarist um comic book is going to have us in the centerfold position yet again with beautiful artwork that's going to be its own masterpiece concept that uh, i'm really looking forward to and we will share that actually with our patreon bonus people when when we have some drafts and some concepts uh ready to share but before we uh divert too much further here we go the warriors on the google The Warriors, 1979, it's a mystery slash crime movie, according to the Google, Uh, one hour and 34 minutes, 7.6 on the IMDb, 89% Rotten Tomatoes, 65% Metacritic, however, 95% of the people like it. And here is the description. A turf battle between New York City street gangs that rages from Coney Island to the Bronx. The Warriors are mistakenly fingered for the killing of a gang leader. Soon they have every gang in the city out to get revenge and they must make their way across the city to their own turf. Came out February 9, 1979. The director is Walter Hill and it has some very uh, unique and interesting music that you sampled heavily for your album. Uh, the budget was $360,000. So fairly cheap, but uh, I think it did fairly well in the, um, not necessarily in the box office, but in the, what do we call it, The cult classic kind of, uh, venue, you know, like it's a popular film. It has a draw to it, but I believe it was actually pulled from theaters a little bit early because there were, there was gang violence related to the, to the viewings. So Robert, I'm going to go to you initially for your take on what, uh, the Google description and any comments you have to open up and then we'll go to Mike. Well, yeah, just speaking to the popularity of the franchise, uh, even rockstar makers of the, Grand the auto series made a, a game about this. Supposedly, it's pretty good. I mean, I'd imagine it's like a 3D beat-em-up, but, you know, they can make a decent game. So, um, The main issue I have with the description is also one of the main reasons I had a problem with this film, is that they call it a mystery. What was what was a mystery in this movie? Everything was 100% straightforward. There was no mystery at all. There was no question marks. Even the only question mark, the only question mark I had that was even slightly interesting was why did that guy kill that guy in the beginning? Why did the guy leader of the rogues kill Cyrus? Yeah. 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 Why? And they he just make... likes
1: doing stuff like that. No reason.
0: And that's, that's the reveal at the very end. No, not the, just, that's I, not
1: the point of the movie. I just the point like of the movie stuff. is the tale of this epic forced March that these guys have to, to go through.
0: But it's not a mystery, is it? No,
1: there's right? no mystery about it. I think, I mean, generally you don't want to give the game away completely in a, in a description maybe have been why they shied away from describing it accurately. Yeah. I mean, that's a fairly accurate description.
0: I'll interject that, that the categorization and oftentimes the Google description itself is usually fairly off base. So I wouldn't put a whole bunch yeah. of stock into that because it's some algorithm or some like lowly paid intern in the Philippines writing this stuff.
1: Yeah, and surely a Google description isn't an indictment of any film. No, no,
0: no, it's not an indictment of the film, but I'm, I'm, I was asked to comment on the Google description. Mm. That's what Daniel asked me. And I did that. So get off my back. All <laughs> right. He's 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 flying the literals colors tonight, Mike. Yeah. 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 Actually, no, if I was going to be one of these guys, I would have been on the baseball Furies, even though they looked the coolest, but they fought like little bitches. They were a bunch of um, oh, they did all right. They got their asses. They took deep. out cowboy. They all of them together took out one guy when they had baseball bats and the Warriors had yeah. nothing. OK,
1: so does that mean they're wimps or the Warriors are great? With the mean, way
0: that they showed the with the, the choreography and the fight scenes in this movie,
1: double axe handle.
0: Oh, a lot of double axe handles.
1: Some Star Trek shit, eh?
0: A lot, of, yeah. Some serious Star Trek, Kirk uh, B lizard man monster type. Well, this fight was scene. made
1: forty I years. Uh, I, forty I, years I, before John Wick. So I, when Wu Ping was
0: not a thing, or if he was, he was in Hong Kong. He wasn't over here.
1: You know, it's like it's even with um with Fox going into the train. Somebody comment on the on that that it's kind of cut, you know, sloppily or not sloppily, but my, the thing is, all you need to do is convey the story visually. You know, so they fight. I mean, the choreography's not terrible. There's some pretty decent action in that, considering that it had the three like a million dollar budget by today's standards, and it was made in 1979. I think it's yeah, and I'll add that impressive, that, impressive action.
0: The editing was actually done uh in a very. Um expedited manner they had three different studio rooms working on editing this because they were in a race mm-hmm. with a similar film called the wanderers that came out in july and they were trying to to come out uh release this film with
1: enough gap ahead of yeah. time oh yeah yeah i hate the Wanderers. Yeah.
0: i will say that we'll for talk this, about time. <laughs> this movie does look pretty good and i especially enjoyed the little vignettes where they would cut away to like the um i don't know the sunglass wearing boss guy and the um, radio speaker lady. I thought that, that, that those scenes were well lit and really kind of cool when they when they cut away to that stuff. I think, um, for, done.
1: for 92 minutes of film, I think they create a very uh, rich world. They do a lot of very efficient world building. They the plot moves very efficiently. Um, it's almost. I mean, I would put it in the sci-fi category in a way. It feels almost apocalyptic.
0: Yeah, I could see that. As, you if, know, like, it felt like a, a New York that did not exist. It was like an yeah. alternate world.
1: Well, so I guess the book and then the original script was, you know, Puerto Ricans and black gangs and, and more of a racial thing. And they just, the studio was like, you can't do that. But we wouldn't have, without the limitations from the studio, we wouldn't have had the the costume and character design that we ended up getting. The mimes of so, versus the baseball the, furies. And the, yeah. Oh, I think that's incredible. honestly. Clowns.
0: Or whatever those guys People were. that don't like
1: that, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you could not enjoy that. It doesn't even make any sense to me.
0: Oh, no, I loved it. I loved it, how ridiculous it was, the idea that you're a tough street gang and you're going to put on, like, mime makeup and you're going to all dress the same and be like, we're tough guys. You can't yeah. beat us up. Well, it's That'd like... fantastic.
1: I, I did a bit of, like, musical theater and stuff when I was younger. Um, and, you know, a bit faggier. Uh, and it's like you see them moving and i'm like those guys are all off of broadway or you can just tell and then once you see it you can't really unsee it the way they move their bodies and yeah. jump over no. things they're they're, they're, they're ballet at all times um so yeah there's like considering that it's supposed to be sort of hyper masculine it is kind of funny um but i mean there's nothing there's nothing inherently like effeminate in in like having control over your body you know as a man anyway right so i wouldn't even say that's
0: Right, but they're playing like street cuffs, and they're clearly like West Side Story dancer guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm not against
1: it. I just but thought they, it, they were like, in shape, fun, and I fun did world. Yeah,
0: I actually think yeah, that so
1: was, it's kind of hard to unsee when they jump over the um a couple of the the subway uh, turnstiles rails and stuff when they like do they kick their legs out and things like that. But like, again, I don't know if that's like I mean I've been told that's not masculine, but it isn't. I don't think a feminine necessarily. I don't think it demeans the man to be able to like jump over things and keep his footing.
0: I think it's intentional and and it's because w- I was reading a little bit of the background on this and the the novel came out or the book came out in response to the West side story. He was like, well, I want to yeah. have something that's more like gritty and real. And so it makes sense to me that the movie would adopt some of the same mannerisms, the same, like kind of, uh, and you've got actors and you can kind of tell that they're Broadway stage types, but then yeah. it's this grittier but almost more comical or comic-y, comic comic book style where yeah, it's almost surreal. Right. Like you were saying sci-fi. And I think there's a director's cut of this that came out about uh, 14, 15 oh, did years you,
1: ago. Did you get the theatrical release to watch? Yeah,
0: I got theatrical.
1: Um, I yeah. I, I like that one a little bit better. Yeah. The, the, the director's cut adds some comic book shots and kind of um uses that as, as part of a smooth out some of the rougher editorial, like the rougher pieces of editing. But honestly, I think, It wasn't needed.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I think I'd be actually interested in watching it because I got the vibe from this, especially with the costumes and the ridiculousness of them, that this wasn't like a realism type thing. It was more of a story, you know, like a play acting kind of a thing. And the baseball furies, they were ridiculous looking. And I I guess Marilyn Manson actually got one of his like makeup uh, ideas Mm, from this movie. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see. that. Uh, yeah, no,
1: like the new one isn't like he he makes a couple of changes, but it's not like he makes like puts Greedo shooting first or puts a Jabba scene out of <laughs> out of the blue in there or anything. It ruins
0: ruins the whole ruins the anything. whole thing. Yeah, like
1: it, it it's almost like a, it's like a lateral move. So you can I like I like the I don't know the the small changes in the theatrical. Like I prefer that, but like it's nothing's really lost. And and like you said, there's like a real. It adding comic book panels to it, and then like phasing in and out of the comic book panel to create the scene uh, from a still shot, um, really works towards the what what you're talking about with the uh, with the surreal sort of quality to it, or the comic book quality.
0: Right, and and to Robert's point, the cinematography on this I think was was really well done. Like it was very stylized and well lit, and um, I guess you know they shot most of it at night, and that initial scene where. Cleon is like telling the warriors like, Hey, we're going to go to this meeting in the Bronx and uh, it's a truce. And we're going to, all these gangs are coming together. You're going to be a representative that they originally shot a daytime version of that. And I guess that was in the um, 2005 um, director's cut, but cut it because 95% of the film is at night. And so they reshot that entire thing and interjected the scenes where Cleon is like talking to each individual. And then they like vignette away for a moment and then come back. And that kind of sets the scene.
1: Are you, are you, are you talking about um Cleon talking to the warriors? Yeah, the very Like, open. here's the lineup? Like the but they didn't they didn't do the crowd the proper crowd scene. That was all at night. They never shot that in the daytime, did they?
0: Right. What I'm talking about is, is when Cleon tells each individual warrior why they've been selected to
1: be Yeah, that, I put that in the in the third part of that album.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and it's actually not even in the uh the version of the movie that I watched.
1: No, I found like like behind our uh, the cutting room stuff.
0: Right. And did yeah, you know who stuff. you know whose voice that was?
1: Who? Cleon?
0: No, Orson Welles. Uh where he was talking about like who are the Warriors? And then he says, you know, like the music man or whatever. Well, no, that, that's oh, okay. That's the one that's the uh that's the guy that Robert likes with the sunglasses. The the badass um they're like the rock martial arts dudes, right? The
1: grips? the, the Gramsci riffs?
0: Yes, the riffs. Yeah.
1: Cleon. Uh not Cleon, sorry. Um Cyrus. No,
0: Cyrus's underling guy. Yeah, Cyrus. Oh yeah, we don't even guy. I don't
1: think we know his name.
0: Right. Yeah, we don't know his name, but Cyrus was the king or the the warlord of the Gramercy Riffs, the biggest and strongest gang of the gangs that weren't the police.
1: I was just gonna interrupt you and say that. Thank God I waited. Right. And actually, yeah, no, that's um. So I thought you guys might enjoy that because like that that's discussed uh ad nauseum kind of in the film, right? Because like the cops are looking for any gang, and they have the manpower to attack any gang they see.
0: Right. Right. And that was you know one I mean? of the like, points in the beginning to come together.
1: Yeah. That they'd because, actually like, be able to outnumber the cops, but um,
0: yeah, and actually, some of the early like movie posters uh, had to be taken down because they pointed this out that there were twenty thousand police, but eighty thousand gang members, yeah. and people were worried about that like being disseminated as they out. should be, <laughs> because it's like uh, you know that Larkin Rose video, the tiny dot where it shows like how many people are the enforcers, the politicians, and their enforcers compared to how many people there are as citizens, or you know. The yeah, they're, they're the right? Uh, right. the one percent, right? Exactly, and so, but but it's interesting in the in the movie because Cyrus has a point in that if they did band together, then they could overpower the police. The police were the biggest yeah. baddest gang, and and they had like a basically a federal backstop, right? Like the National Guard <laughs> could come in or whatever. But it was it was Cyrus's plan to have a truce amongst their own gangs, take over different areas, you know, additional turf. Not worry about their little micro turfs, not, you know, the little segregated like secessionist style, which is actually my uh, end state goal for uh, an anarchist society. But
1: <laughs> or a decentralized one, at yes, least
0: as decentralized as possible, all the way down to the individual. But the, um, the the thing that Cyrus said was, then we can start taxing.
1: Yeah, I knew you guys areas. had hung up on that. So what we're discussing is the foundation of an empire, right?
0: Right. And and this was actually a Greek. Uh, a, a Greek story, right? A yeah,
1: but not role? the not the gang warfare part. Just, I mean, they were they were surrounded on all sides by enemy factions. But it's not like somebody was trying to unite something in force within all. Like each faction was trying to dominate, but there was no Cyrus figure like in that that story. They were just like completely behind enemy lines and had to march back a thousand miles.
0: Okay, right. So that was the that was just their their journey. That's the great yeah. part. But this first, so that's part like is... the theme. The first part is them trying to set up their own territorial government and competing yes. with the existing territorial government. And so it's like the police are just another gang.
1: Yes. when And they they uh, have claimed the entirety of New York. And Cyrus is like, no, we should uh, revolt against that, uh, that system, that monopoly on violence, and create a new republic.
0: And institute our own
1: monopoly of violence. Well, um, I mean, yeah. But at least uh, it's representative, right? You can't really argue with somebody wanting to band together with other people to overthrow whatever oppressive forces, you know, may, uh, deciding their destiny for them.
0: So long as they don't then become that oppressive force for others.
1: Well, they will eventually, but uh, maybe not for it a couple of generations. Necessarily,
0: but yeah, maybe. I mean, it
1: took 1776 to 1861, was it? That was pretty close. It's like almost 100 years. no. Two generations?
0: No, they wrote the Constitution, which grants them the right to tax right away.
1: Yeah, but it's uh, you know representative or something like that. So (laughs) I mean, okay, we can do the purity spiral thing, but like, how far can you get in a conversation if you're like, I mean, we're not. Like there isn't a lot of room to move, right? right. Because I'm going to write myself a piece of
0: paper that grants me the right to tax you. And then Mm -hmm. once every four years, I'll let you vote on whether we tax you 50% or 60%.
1: Okay. So authority is derived from violence though. So you can be an individual and that's totally awesome. But at some point, somebody's going to get together with three or four people and come demand your uh, subservience. So you need to end up, you need to uh, That's when you take them out with, ally yourself to other yeah I mean ideally the, there's a fire there's firearms now so they're getting better every day um, so the individual can certainly uh, exercise a great deal of sovereignty but um, generally your your life is defined your destiny is defined by what you ally yourself to right what kind of collective um, the collective of the family unit your community your city whatever. Uh, at some point, you need to be able to collectively, collectively defend because there's probably somebody out there forming an empire of useful idiots, and yeah, and they, they, they right probably now. like they don't necessarily right, but, have the same ideals as you. But what the incentive
0: same. would they have of
1: taking us over if we don't have a political structure to to well co historically to take your shit? But they always like, take over like the, the political. The women and stuff, right?
0: Well, what is <laughs> the, just, what is the first thing when the United States invaded Afghanistan? They took over the political system and then they installed like their own puppet.
1: Yeah, and then the American, the corporations that are sort of backed by the American government, go in and start taking all the resources. Like, there's a trillion dollars worth of rare earth metals in Afghanistan, and the military was ready to invade in right. right. 28 days, so they were probably right. planning that for 10 years.
0: And if and if the people of Afghanistan didn't recognize Mosul as their, I got as Mosul, the capital of Afghanistan, I don't know. Certainly, they can rebel. And they could fight back. Yes, but, but they, they have to do so collectively. They see it as before. legitimate. If they see that invasion as legitimate, then they're far more likely to be like, oh, okay.
1: Well, let's take, well, it, back. Exactly. That's let's take fine. it back to but the But My though. point is simply that if the gangs are banding together to get rid of the cops, and then they phone their own uh, more responsible or accountable government within that system, or or they have rules that they actually sit down and agree to, that is a a, a moral improvement than simply the mandate coming down from somebody they didn't, from a system they didn't participate in. And violence is the only authority in that system. So the government is the monopoly on violence and we want to decentralize that as much as possible. So if we can get that down to the individual and the family, awesome. But generally, like even, you know, if you've got a bunch of sort of farms or individuals, they're going to have to collectively defend because somebody's always able to manifest some Urukai and you know get an army together and march.
0: Yeah, but and they my, just promised them
1: like rape and pillaging as a reward half the time. You know,
0: it never works out in the long run. I mean, we've been fighting in Afghanistan for how long? Well, war, I'm not talking like,
1: about invading Afghanistan. I'm talking about overthrowing the New York police in within the conf- confines of this movie. And right? if, so and, like if and if
0: the, right, and if all the gang members constantly fought back against the police constantly, and
1: it was actually an act of war at an individual level, you mean, like a with you yeah, know, if, if
0: nobody recognized the cops as a legitimate, if everybody saw the cops as a gang, that's
1: exactly what he was trying to do, though, like they
0: saw the was unite them against, against the police.
1: The so they were. He was just saying, don't fight each other. We'll maintain a status quo and we'll decide on what the uh the rules for our zones are going to be and we're not going to invade each other's territory anymore right i mean a lot of this movie is about uh like territorial rights and uh sort of guest rights you know so when they get to the orphans it's like they're like you know uh we're just we're just coming through and by virtue of them showing a strong force and saying like look we don't want to fight but we will fight you if you try to fight us the orphans back down, they didn't back down, but they sort of permitted them to march through. Right. And then there's a bit of a falling out. Yeah.
0: And that, that was the uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, like having the capacity to be violent, but restraining yourself.
1: And that's, yeah. And so like, I mean, I understand Robert's point, but like um, it's very difficult to stop people from like the, so when Alexander showed up to say like, whatever, Afghanistan or India, there was a bunch of Kings fighting amongst themselves. So he was able to conquer them. Now, that may not be morally correct, conquering them, but if they had not been fighting amongst each other, they would have been able to defend themselves against the Macedonians. But in order to have that collective defense, the larger the construct of uh, of a society, the stronger the narrative needs to be and uh, the bureaucracy, and it's very unfortunate. So, right, like, it's uh, the
0: bureaucracy that provides the incentive for the invasion. Without the tax structure... I'm not... We all
1: agree that invading other other countries is wrong i'm talking about defending no, yourself no, no, I'm,
0: not, I'm not talking about right or wrong i'm oh. talking about a, a, a an incentive like if you're gonna go and invade someplace but you know not only is every single man woman and child gonna fight you tooth and nail yes. the entire time and never gonna give you a dime then but you're talking about you a paradigm
1: right like a, a way of thinking
0: right but those people are already have that slave mentality where they're like well this guy's going to protect us. And so I'm going to give him 30% of what I make and blah, blah, blah.
1: Well, I wouldn't call it a slave mentality. They certainly were inspired by him to band together, whereas they weren't able to do that before. So for whatever reason, uh, his story was better than the ones that were telling themselves, which was to you know fight your next door neighbor. So, like, yeah, no, it isn't, it isn't much of an improvement, but it is better than um, trying to take the cops on by yourself.
0: So it's like this. Because if like compared to what incremental situation? Is what well, if saying. the if
1: that Mongol group, you know, the whatever they're called, with they look like Mongols, uh, if they decided to declare war in the uh, or in de- Mongols in the movie? Yeah, yeah, in the opening sequence. Okay, I, I mean, the mimes, I mean the that? mime one. If the mimes declared independence okay. and refused to pay their taxes and refused to adhere to the laws that the uh, you know New York City had decided for them uh the the police would be able to concentrate their entire force on the single uh rebellion. Well yeah so you're this just is talking defeat to, this is defeat in detail, right?
0: Right. You're talking about people who are quote unquote tax cheats today. You, sure. You just got I mean, like, a few people here and there that don't it's, pay. A bit, it's a
1: bit more than taxes though. They're not like dumping tea well, in but, the in the river. They're um they're enacting violence on their on their fellow citizens and or protecting themselves through violence because it seems to be like a fairly un unkempt or un, uncivilized landscape right because like the reason you join a gang is to protect you from being hurt by other gangs I think is the point
0: yeah or I mean, that's why a- you join it. gangs
1: right to belong to something that can protect them and possibly um give them access to opportunities
0: right so, yeah, that are- may not be right but... of a prison yeah there's a huge yeah, or, or to... society <laughs> same thing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's a huge incentive to collect up into some sort of a group that is promising protection, because there is defense in numbers.
1: Right. And there's also yeah. all so those... this is the thing, right? It's like, how do you overthrow an empire? Well, you have to, you need another empire, at least, at least the uh, narrative of an empire, or the inspiration of an empire, like you, as libertarians, um, you have the non-aggression principle, right, which is a great philosophy. And that transcends all the different sort of inner working. One guy's a family man. Another guy's a carpenter, you know, you know, uh, fat, skinny, short, tall, right? Um, you know, 98% male <laughs> as far as libertarian demographics go. But still, uh, you have philosophies, which is acts as a placeholder for uh, you know the state or religious narrative. So you guys, you both agree on something despite, right, you agree on your moral compass. And that requires people to talk to each other and form a collective story. So like there's this, I don't know, narrative is a is a way of expressing um our this sort of overwhelming uh individual experience um in a way that can be interpreted by other people, right? Certainly. Yeah, so that's like the nature of art. So politics is art and it's very unfortunate how quickly corrupt it gets. But
0: well, that's the nature of it though.
1: Yeah. But it's like, okay, so if gang A, B and C can all agree on the level of taxation that will go to the next year up that is an improvement on their position whether it's you know objectively good or bad than not being able to negotiate with your masters
0: i would guess that if if everybody's agreeing to some contract but that it's an improvement but if it's an if it's a contract that involves coercion and violence then
1: violence is the only authority that ultimately backs these things up so you need to be able to defend yourself um, to be able to form goodwill between parties and and free exchange and voluntary uh, voluntary exchange, right? So we want to strive towards that, right? But then, what do you do when somebody just disobeys that principle? You have to defend yourself. This is like why the Second Amendment's maybe more important than the first, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like, you need to be second, able to like you defend yourself.
0: Pretty much meaningless. Yeah.
1: yeah. So.
0: All right. So we we basically sort of talked about the theoretical. Thing that Cyrus was trying to bring into fruition, right? He was trying to have this stand down truce between the gangs from fighting each other, so they would be able to band together and outnumber the greater oppressor and potentially improve their situation incrementally. Though, yeah, to Robert's point, they're just going to basically impose their own go- government over the territory, but it might be a, a, like a minor improvement at least for themselves. And who knows what would happen with the people who are affected by. You know, on the bottom rung, for instance, the orphans who weren't even invited to this meeting because they weren't even recognized as really a gang. So as far as representation goes, the orphans didn't have any. But um, back to your talking about, you know, the, the different turfs and the warriors going through their turf and showing their colors and showing that they were willing to fight, but were going to hold back so that they could be respected and permitted to pass, but not so fast because Mercy comes down and says to them, why are you guys being such pussies? Why are you going to let these guys walk all over you? And so it's this woman stirring up trouble. Now, what I don't understand with her character, and maybe it's fleshed out a little bit more in the, comic, uh, the, the director's cut with the comic book interludes. What no. was her story? Because she's first there fucking shit up, causing a problem where there wasn't one. Like the problem was resolved and then she basically kicks the hornet's nest. And then moments later, have you she's walking alone and then gets abducted by
1: the warriors and then later what the fuck do you think she wants then
0: well i don't know
1: (laughs) wanted to be abducted like she wanted to get out of her neighborhood which she discusses later i think this is actually one of my favorite female characters even if she isn't um i don't know it's not like a very wonderful light that they present this character but i think the actress pulls it off and the character has depth i think that she's wants more. So she's looking for a strong male, which is ultimately what she seeks out and finds. So she basically just follows Swan home.
0: Yeah, I would say that she's by far the most interesting character in the entire film, just because she seems to have something actually going on.
1: Yeah, like, so, she, you know, I should have smacked you the moment you open your mouth, and she says, well, why didn't you? And why aren't you defending this territory? You know what I mean? Because, like, the, the consequences of not defending the, the territory is that the the rape and pillaging right
0: so wait so you guys call her an interesting character i call her an incoherent character because what she does doesn't make any sense to me but maybe maybe you guys can make it make sense She's a you, have you interacted She's with like women a, a lot Pandora's box, daniel come on you never know what a woman's going to do or say
1: okay. well, so her motive i think her motivations were simply um seeking out uh, a a better mate or a uh, an adequate mate okay. which didn't exist in her neighborhood cuz they they were all weak all right so, so she wanted a um, better chance for breeding i guess it's, you know at a biological level and then that manifests as its hypergamy as, uh, yeah it
0: makes sense it's always happening so so basically your theory here is that she Trading up. she's hanging out with these betas the orphans and she's
1: a prostitute She's not she she objected soundly to that
0: She did object to it but then no you... she is,
1: she doesn't sell herself she gives herself to everyone which is why Swan criticized her
0: Okay well in the uh you know on Amazon Prime you can watch or it's not on Prime but I think it's on Stars or whatever but you can see the X-ray stuff so I actually read through that uh last night after I watched the movie and it says that she's actually a prostitute and I don't know if that's maybe fleshed oh. out in the game that Robert was referencing earlier the Rockstar game
1: but well, I mean um I don't I don't know if Prime's an authority
0: <laughs> but I guess I guess it's in the name what we're saying here right. is that she's unhappy with her group that she's hanging out with so in order to Test these interlopers who are going to try to walk through. She basically picks a fight with them to just see how tough they are. And once they demonstrate their toughness, then she wants to tag along with them, is what you're saying. Like she's found. Yeah, I, I would. If I was
1: like somewhere between MGTOW and pickup artists, I think that this particular scene would be very good. Um, uh, like a learning scene for young men trying to understand why uh, they're getting like their heads spun around every time they interact with a girl.
0: Okay. Now, the first person to interact with her is um ajax right like when yeah yeah he's love. um
1: he, ajax the um original toxic male
0: yeah he he's a raper he likes rape uh which actually gets oh him. he likes it rough yeah well, gets him in trouble a little bit later
1: <laughs> yeah he seemed he seemed to be a rapist he seemed a bit rapey yeah um, you I, keep those guys around though because they're tough right
0: and not too bright <laughs> yeah he was, he was their muscle but uh so so his he interacts with her and like is about to rape her and then they decide not to well, he's not about
1: the raper. He's just enjoying her struggling and him dominating her in a kind of a weird sexual way. Like he's enjoying like <laughs> holding her. Um, yeah, like he I, i'm I'm sure that's the reason that they vote him out of being in control, right? It's which not is an interesting... rape
0: It's dominance and control in a sexual way.
1: <laughs> well, it's assault,
0: which is pretty much the definition without the penetration, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So he wasn't like, he, he didn't get to that stage of it. And I don't think, I think that he gets like, he's probably in a feedback loop at that point where that's kind of just what he's into <laughs> to now, an extent. But
0: so, so was he did, her, he
1: looked very, he, he looks so sad, right? When Swan's like, okay, let her go now. And he's like, what? Fuck you, buddy. So Swan.
0: was, was her journey. Cause after that, then she's running around with Fox and then Fox gets taken down by the, uh, the cop and thrown in front of a train and dies. And they don't seem to really dwell on that. He's just gone all of a sudden.
1: Uh, okay, the, you want to hear the paratext, the the meta of this?
0: Yeah, yeah, explain this.
1: Okay, the director wasn't getting what he wanted out of the actor. Fox was supposed to be Mercy's love interest. They were supposed to get together. Um, and then at some point, he just wasn't. the director wasn't liking what Fox was producing, so he fired him, and they wrote him out.
0: Oh, I see. The guy that plays
1: Fox didn't even show up to that, that scene. That's a stunt double.
0: Okay. All right. Getting dropped by the cop in front of the in front of the train. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's like they just left it. Like all of a sudden, Fox Mm -hmm. is just he's out. That's it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then I think it works though. It it works really well because like it just it ups the stakes. People getting killed and arrested kind of ups the stakes. They don't just all get out. You know. Okay. Sort of. It it enforces that the the you know that the bad guy the the people opposing them are out for blood.
0: Now, who is the guy who um, he went to the? that apartment with all the women, the Lizzie's, it was the black guy, the, the real young guy. And then another guy, the sirens. Yeah. The sirens.
1: Uh, yeah. uh coaches, the, the, the one with like, uh, sort of a half, a pseudo Indian headdress or a native American Indian headdress.
0: Uh, not that guy, but the third guy, the, the sort of, um, John Belushi, the Afro guy. No, the John Belushi type guy. Uh,
1: I, oh, shit.
0: I forget his name. It's, it's not real. the Afro guy um, and it's not the oh, uh, uh, coaches. The third guy. You mean Norman? Is his name? Not uh, Rembrandt. Not Rembrandt, Rembrandt's. Vermin actually. was
1: the yeah, Vermin's the third one. It's cool. She's Rembrandt, the art and the uh Vermin.
0: Okay, yes, yeah. Vermin. So Vermin was actually, from what I read, he was actually he was um less involved in the movie. His his lines mm-hmm. were less and his script was less. But then he played up that scene with the women in the apartment and actually earned himself more screen time. That might be related to Fox being written out, right?
1: Yeah, I think like this is very um holds no bar is kind of filming very guerrilla. Like, I mean, the, the million dollars isn't a lot of money. That's the inflation calculator. Um, million bucks filming on the streets of New York, not necessarily going for permits. You know, they hired all no names, nobody there had done anything really. Right. And uh, they were all working really hard towards the project that they wanted to put out. Right. That's another reason I really like this movie is because it really, it represents a different time in filmmaking um, where Artists would get together and grind out something through a lot of hard work, and they were sometimes rewarded for that effort, you know, and they produced something of value. Um, and so, you know, to your point, uh, Buddy basically got promoted for his acting in the middle of the movie.
0: Right, and got got some more scene time, more scene time. More yeah, scene Buddy, time. And, and another guy
1: got fired, right? So there you go. There's That this, this seems like a libertarian wet dream to me.
0: Right, because Vermin was actually supposed to die in that apartment with the women, with the sirens.
1: Oh, I see. We're going to get jabbed here. We're getting a get jabbed. Yeah, I don't know if you could say that anymore. Uh, well, as much as you can say "faggot" three times in a movie, right now, probably not.
0: Yeah, I know Robert and I. We both recently watched the Chappelle show, uh, or the the latest Chappelle episode, which or special, which has special out, outraged on outraged the the left left wing lynch mob. And uh, and to to me, it's it's in contrast to what we have on offer today. It's refreshing, but it it doesn't hold a candle to anything Richard Pryor did or or any murphy murphy right raw or delirious it's nothing like that
1: but because like i mean bill cosby had clean shit it was better yeah you know what i mean but it was cutting and you know
0: right but but we're so starved for it now that and and i do love dave Chappelle. i do um but
1: yeah he's kind of sold out though right like like he's pretty tame right right compared to Chappelle's show oh yeah yeah compared to who he was before i feel like they cloned him and
0: Well, he's getting got a gun to somebody's
1: head. You know what I mean? Like
0: he's been living the good life. He's wealthy now. I mean, you know,
1: I do like, yeah, maybe you just, you get into the echo chamber. And then, I mean, as you get older, you lose a little bit of that piss and vinegar. So
0: I do like that. He he called out, he called out the outrage people, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but, but he, he mentioned that even during the Chappelle show he had to go to the compliance office or whatever they're called, um, for the word faggot. Like, I guess you couldn't say that on TV back in 2004, 2005 uh and
1: as yes, you do i mean again this is privatizing censorship right self self-policing uh broadcast and they, they do it so that the government won't come in and do it but it's also a way to for these companies to i don't know this sort of weird like neoliberal capitalism where where uh ideology becomes the product you're selling right
0: wasn't this so like to, Co- to what the coke MP- is
1: lbgt and if you don't if you don't drink coke you hate gay people kind of thing right
0: Oh, all the all the virtue signaling, yeah. It it yeah. it seems yeah, it's... similar to the MPAA and giving films ratings. Like uh, Robert, we did the Aviator yep. a while back, and uh, Howard Hughes was like, "Hey, if you compare the necklines or the you know the cleavage on this movie, this movie, and this movie, then you have to give mine the same rating because it's actually technically less or whatever." Because they want to. Well, no, but we're talking about bureaucracy,
1: rating. which is just a way to dominate smaller factions, right? <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Regulation is just a way for like the bigger companies to dominate the smaller ones, right? Correct. I mean, it's like Disney is going to be able to sue you for intellectual property rights violation way be- way more than you're going to be able to sue them. Absolutely. And it's by it's by virtue of the government only just doing enough to have the laws in place, and then the courts, you know, are just too expensive. So it's like like I said, it's just a way of privatizing privatizing all the oppressive functions of government. It's pretty smart. The system that we've con- con- uh, conjured, hooked up. It looks like I blungeing you into silence. Should we talk about the movie, or do we have to? I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's actually a great film. Like, it's, it's not a great. No, it's a fantastic film. film. Oh, no, it's really great. Um, what's what interesting else did about it,
0: director? Go on to do. Uh,
1: he did Forty Eight Hours, another Forty Eight Hours. Um, what else has he done? He's done a few things. He's not okay. like, okay. um, it's not like a prestigious career, but it looks like he likes doing what he's doing. And again, it's made you know twenty films, you know, and they're not all a bunch of big hits and stuff. I think that's you know. I I got a soft spot for that more than the Spielbergs, to be honest. No, that's
0: fine. Okay.
1: Um so I wrote yeah. down here like so so basically uh Cyrus is trying to create an empire, right? And so I wrote down here the consolidation of power comes at the vulnerability of hijacking the narrative. Because in order to construct all these people together, um it makes it vulnerable to being hijacked by like whatever media force is in place, right? So if you if you use uh um what's his name? What's the rogues guy's name? the bad the guy. guy the bad guy yeah.
0: crazy yeah. guy luther yeah, yeah the uh Sean luther Trump. yeah, luther Sean luther hijacks guy.
1: the narrative and it's very easy because the people involved are are starstruck they're in a they're in a state of sort of hypnosis and from the magic that cyrus has enacted on the group right through so this ritual of of speaking right we talk about this all the time with like you know like the hitlerian types of you know like always a great public speaker right it's like well yeah sure. they got, got the
0: charisma the, the yeah. appearance of competence Got yeah. the ideas yeah
1: and you don't you don't have to be perfect then you just have to sell it right and so because everything's heightened all you have to do is say hey the warriors did it and everyone's like okay let's go beat the shit out of those guys and kill them because they're angry it's like you know yeah you know? It's I mean, this is this is the nature of politics this is the nature of media it's like two minutes to eight you know certainly so it's like
0: it's a reflection of the world we live in i would agree <laughs> that's why it's decently competent art
1: No, oh, yeah i'm i'm I really like it. And it does. It represents a, you know, older kind of filmmaking with a lot of negative space and um, slower movement and stuff. So there's
0: less story going on, a whole lot of running.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the action is the story, right? And like I said, it's efficient. It's 92 minutes long.
0: It felt longer to me, but um, I've also, I've, I've been in New York a couple of times and ridden the subway a fair amount when I was there. And so I actually had a a, a spatial awareness of where they were traveling <clears> through and I think that helped in understanding what was going on. I think if you had never been there and never ridden on the subways, uh, you would be a little bit lost in what's going on.
1: Um, well, they did a, a pretty good shot at the beginning to show you on the uh, on the subway map, the distance that they're covering, right? That's kind of a part of the opening sequence.
0: Right, right. And they even kind of mentioned smart. how it's kind of confusing.
1: Yeah. And they, they set up they set up sort of one idea, one premise, but that's the false premise, right? You think that like, oh, okay, now I'm listening to Cyrus. Now what's happening? Oh my God, he's shot. Okay, so that, that premise is completely thrown out and now the warriors need to get back to Coney Island right, and, and just run.
0: And they're unarmed right? so, and, and they don't know if there's still a truce or not.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great premise for film. Works for me anyway.
0: I'll agree. And and their first gang that they encounter is the skinhead types, which I thought- Yeah, was, the multiracial skinheads. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because there's a bunch of black well, people. Well,
1: they didn't want type. it to be racial, right? So they just made sure that the warriors were like kind of like a mosaic of culture and then the skinheads were also like a homogenous version of that.
0: Right. Yeah. But some of the other gangs were like very, very clearly like a specific type of people, like a group, right?
1: Yeah. But the, because the costumes sell it as not being racial. So you can't say that like the baseball furies were all white guys, but they were, um, well, at Socrates, Socrates or Aristotle. It talked about the essence of something, right? So like the essence of of the baseball furies was not their race. It was their baseball uniforms. Right. That's the, that uniform made them, you know, made them a collective, not, not their blue eyes or, you know,
0: Right. Now, what did you guys that think That sense. back to the uh, I keep going back to the orphans for whatever reason? But w- after Mercy basically instigated there to be a problem where there wasn't one, then the orphans demanded that the warriors take their colors off because she wanted a vest. And yeah. then the Mer-
1: so they're cowtowing. They're cowtowing to the members of their society that cannot defend themselves.
0: Right. So but but I like that the warriors were like, fuck you. You're like, we're not doing that.
1: Oh, that's one of the best fucking lines, I think, in movie history, where he just waits a minute, and then he just says, fuck you. It's so simple, and it's, like, so defiant. Like, no, I'm not. This is the end of conversation. I tried being nice. Like, we're going to do this either way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like that a lot, actually.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely a strong, strong line. I, well, I it's, enjoy.
1: Yeah, it's it's peace through strength, right? And the threat of violence.
0: Right, and and the, de- <clears throat> the demand was almost like um, the demand... To- <laughs> this is this is gonna be a weird tangent but the world war ii demand for japan to surrender and give up their emperor and all those things like basically this unconditional surrender that was demanded and it was going to be unacceptable to japan and it basically yeah well, set up set up the premise that then okay now we can drop these bombs because they said no to this impossible to accept demand and that's almost what the um the orphans did to the warriors because they were like well you, we want you to remove your colors and then you can pass but the warriors are like no fuck you like that's not an acceptable thing that besmirches our honor and we're not going to do that
1: well it was it, well, i think it wasn't acceptable because they had already reached terms and then those terms were changed by some exterior force that you know it's like it's if we count out of that she altered the deal she altered the deal and <laughs>
0: she
1: well and when she he, holds you hold
0: the guy's balls in her head
1: yeah. And so like when you okay, so you renegotiate and you acquiesce, you couch out of them, and then they just change it again. At that you know, at what point
0: Yeah, you show you're a bitch and they're gonna
1: treat you like one. Yeah, exactly. So
0: right. Well I think I think that the warriors would not have accepted those terms even if those were the outright terms like initially. I think it would have been unacceptable to them.
1: Yeah, but they they allowed they allowed the orphans the uh privilege of a formal negotiation,
0: personal point of privilege.
1: Uh... Yeah, they asked. They they allowed them. They didn't humiliate them. They allowed them to be prideful in the negotiation. Even though Team A is going to do what Team A needs to do, you know, Team B can't do anything about it. But they're still going to formally acknowledge their uh, property rights, even though they're walking through either way. So I think that's actually um, it's yeah, it's kind of one of my favorite scenes in the film. Right, it says a lot in a very, very short period of time.
0: Now, of course, the most iconic scene is when Luther, for whatever reason, ends up in Coney Island with his gang. They
1: tracked him down. They knew where they were from. Um, and at that point, you you need to silence the people that know what happened. Right. Kind of thing. You don't like you don't want to leave that loose end. Right. So they had to suicide them.
0: Yeah, it was a very interesting uh, interplay, the entire thing where Cyrus, who is basically this Joker-esque loose cannon who just wants to watch the world burn and just does something chaotic for the fun of doing something chaotic, then yeah. blames the warriors just on a, on a lark, like, well, on the chamber. one guy saw him,
1: right? Yeah. Fox, so just, Fox saw him. So that was probably what got them in trouble. Right. Was so, witnessing the crime, which can get you in trouble with, with bad people.
0: I mean, he may have inter- information that may lead the, to the arrest of uh, Luther.
1: Yes. but ex- well, that's exactly it. Right. So, I mean, like if, if, if they had been in that situation, they might've ended up dead in a jail cell, like by, hanging themselves or something
0: right right uh, all,
1: all individually
0: or raped with a plunger
1: yeah uh, okay now, so yes they they needed to tie up loose ends that's why they tracked them down it's uh uh that that need sort of coalesced with the luther's agenda of wreaking havoc
0: right and he was trying to close the loop on that but someone had come to the Gramercy city riffs to sp- to spill the dirt on luther right and that's why a yeah. climactic scene after luther does the clink, clink, warriors, come yeah. out and play, yay. Which apparently was ad-libbed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they needed to fill in the gap there and egg them on a bit. They needed something that, uh, what's his name? I, I forget Van that. Vaughn, Vaughn something, he's, I think he's got a German name. Okay, yeah. But from Luther, right? Yeah, yeah Luther. No, And so he, uh, he he stepped up to the task.
0: So so it does make sense that, that they do have this final confrontation and then the Gramercy Riff show up and they're like, well, we know who actually did it. And so we're going to kill him and his gang and let the warriors go. So it has a nice resolution at the end. Um, and I want to, I want to float back on, on the rape thing for a moment.
1: Uh, Cause we go back oh, to uh, from Ajax, the obvious rapist.
0: Yeah. Ajax. So yeah, he, he displays this desire to rape several times. Yeah. And then in the central park, he sees this woman at the bench and apparently she's a cop, but you don't really know this until later. But yeah. When he first interacts with her, she's like, Totally with it. She's fine with yeah,
1: it. Yeah, it feels a bit like entrapment
0: to me. Well, you find some honey pot sitting alone in the middle of the night on a park bench and she's like coming on to any guy that walks by. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. So <laughs> seems a
0: little suspicious to me. Like a spider and a fly.
1: Well, well okay, so I think that would have confused Ajax since he's probably had a fair amount of sexual interactions with women that were him being fairly aggressive and getting probably positive results. It's um,
0: been touched in the head probably about...
1: Yeah, who knows? But my point is, there are some women that like um, uh, aggressive men uh, when everything has been signed and sealed and we're committing to doing something. Once a, yeah. once a sort of safe uh, arena has been established, some women enjoy it rough, right? Once
0: everybody's signed their consent forms. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we know once we know everyone's signed their, their
1: consent stay. forms. Um, I don't want to generalize, but this has been uh, a trend in my experience. So... Uh, that's just anecdotal, but my point is that uh, Ajax probably assumed things about that situation and acted based on his experience. I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that, it, like, you probably shouldn't be in that position unless you want that outcome.
0: Well, the thing that got me without
1: victim blaming, and it does feel a lot like entrapment, even though he's obviously like out of line.
0: Yeah. Well, so the thing that got me is that had he not gone over that line of being overly aggressive.
1: Then it's they would a, have arrested him anyway.
0: Well, it for what though? Cause she was, well, fully she would have, okay. Existing. So I think
1: being one of the warriors at one point when yeah. they're
0: on the train, the cops just walk up and they are
1: like, Oh shit, we got to yeah. run. I think that she was setting up a trap. So she probably would have egged somebody on to the point of being kind of out of control. And then just said no, at some point, you know what I mean? I think, I mean, that's just what I'm theorizing. Cause I'm not sure what the sting is. Otherwise,
0: Okay, yeah, because it seemed to me like she was consenting and then he got overly aggressive.
1: Okay, so essentially a cop was sitting on a bench attracting rapists with a vulnerable aesthetic, right?
0: Right, yeah. but, but then that's you know, I like they read, were just but then agreeing to it.
1: Yeah, well but well, then well, and but then also like that also renegotiating, you know, a couple times uh after he gets aggressive to to ensure that they can i mean i'm not even sure why they don't just arrest them at that point but i mean it's a good way for him to go out right because it writes his character out of the situation
0: right yeah because because we do have this journey and you're losing people along the way for various reasons and and the sirens like pull a few of them off track like off their journey which is another like greek thing right because this is yeah. sort of the, a retelling or a mashup of several stories yeah. going on
1: they're definitely sirens though right oh yeah for sure
0: um but it's also like that horror movie thing, which it really got me when Swan like left left those two guys to go back and check on um, Ajax. Because so it's like you guys are disbanding and breaking apart when you're have more protection as a group.
1: Yeah. So this is actually I, I made a couple of notes about this because there's like when Ajax challenges Swan, there's an informal voting process, which is a natural hierarchy forms. And so everybody does their own uh, internal calculations as to who should be in charge and who's dominant. And it's the two, there's sort of two alphas, right? There's like a Leonardo and a Raphael. There's a there's a guy that's maybe tougher than everybody else, but he's uncontrollable. And there's a guy that's almost as, almost at the highest level of toughness that's also able to think critically and make decisions for everybody. And so they elect Swan without a formal voting process. So it's interesting that that happens. And it happens a couple times throughout the film, right? Like, But the methodology of the warriors whatever their code is is uh, a great deal of emphasis on individual choice which i thought you guys would appreciate to be honest uh so they're like ajax you shouldn't do this this is retarded and then he goes anyway and then they're like we kind of owe ajax we should go back for him and swan takes like one second to analyze the situation and says okay i'll go try to accomplish something else stick to the plan outside of that i think that's very good leadership in a lot of ways you know so they're they're very individually driven and they decentralize and then come back together
0: i like what you're saying but i think in the situation
1: you don't agree with the decision
0: the circumstances don't warrant it because they are in they are now in acknowledged hostile territory
1: well who's the fascist here me or you
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying that the circumstances they were presented with would have okay but but
1: okay so these two individuals want to to do something on their own does swan uh conscript them like does he does he enact some sort of authority then to solve the problem and say no you're not you are not allowed to do that uh no
0: i guess what i'm saying is that i can't imagine making the decision that they made
1: well they had some sort of He's obviously. So, the reason you would keep somebody like Ajax around is because he's probably very good at fighting, which is like he seem to be tougher than the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, you keep a guy like that around in case you need somebody to use a flamethrower, run up a beach,
0: or the Molotov cocktail. I
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy, you know, he gets it done, right? So, he's probably saved their ass more than once outside of this film. And then he, he saved Cowboy specifically, right? He saved my ass back there. So, they just had uh, a sense of loyalty to him and bailing him out of his own bad choices. So.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get You, you that. know, I mean,
1: we can the heart wants what the heart wants, I guess. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. I mean, I, I'd go back for you guys.
0: You, you are back for us. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah, we've had you on for a bunch <laughs> of movies, uh, Collateral, Super Troopers, no, Starship Troopers. Like I keep mixing those two. Starship
1: Troopers. The real Super Troopers.
0: That's right. Um, what else? Do you remember what else you've been on for?
1: Um, Christmas Carol with Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah. Bill, Bill Murray's <laughs> Christmas Carol.
0: Whatever that one's called, uh, yeah. Night of Living Dead. I think that might have been. The, I might have yeah, just said Scrooge. the
1: light. of Living Dead might have been the first one I said because there's a lot of collectivism versus individualism in that one.
0: All right, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have the whole list on the uh, on the show notes page, and we are actually getting a little bit long on this one, so we're going to going to need to start moving into uh, final summaries and reviews. We haven't even talked about your album very much, uh, but there is a fair amount of that discussion in the pre-show, <laughs> which is available for Patreon supporters at lastnighter.com/slash/Patreon. So if you want to hear Mike talk.
1: Okay, about sorry. his music
0: specifically like uh some of the story behind it um hit us up on the patreon and you'll get a piece of that well we will have a link to his uh his album uh on the show notes page as well at last 87 but robert what yeah, you else...
1: oh go ahead go ahead uh, you, you're kind of breaking up on my end so i keep interrupting you but it's not i'm not meant i'm not trying to interrupt you it sounds like you're quiet or like a like for like the 1.5 seconds No, well, that... <laughs> so i'm just i'm not trying to be rude
0: See that—that's that's the thing um, that, that uh, Robert knows full well. That uh, it takes me a moment to process. i am i using your Canadian terms here, so it's like very frustrating <laughs> to talk to me because it takes a little while for me to get going.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, no, if you want to talk about my album ad nauseum, I—I'd I'd happily do another three, four hours. So okay, um,
0: well let's get. Yeah, no, that. please
1: listen to my music. I'm really proud of it.
0: <laughs> I called it a masterpiece. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you, you know. So, so, so let's get into that in our, uh, what we call Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is the additional bonus content after we finish doing the the episode here. But uh, Robert, let's good. let's go to you for final summer interview, unless you have any other tidbits that you want to talk about before we get into that. No, I thought that this was a very straightforward film. And so I kind of <laughs> just took notes of what happened in the movie. I, I didn't have a whole lot of interesting things to discuss, I'm glad you guys really brought it tonight. Um, you've obviously thought about this film a lot more than I did, and um, really got a lot of blood out of this stone, <laughs> in my estimation. I didn't think that this thing was worthy of a whole lot of discussion, but here we are, having discussed it for over an hour now, and um, yeah, I got a little bit more of an appreciation for it, for sure. I think Mike has turned me around just a little bit. I still don't think this is a great film. I it, it, it kind of lost interest in it, to be honest, Um, especially towards the end, I was just kind of waiting for it to end because it it never got like the narrative weight was never there for me. It's like, okay, these guys need to get home. Well, they're gang members. I mean, how, you know, are they that much safer in Coney Island? I mean, I guess, but I don't know why some gang guys couldn't just show up to your front door and then kick the shit out of you there. I don't know, whatever. It, It works as a device, I suppose. But I, I kept wanting this to be more than it was, I guess. I, I can appreciate Mike's appreciation for the simplicity and the directness in the film. But I wanted it to be, you know, why did he really kill that guy? Was he, you know, is there something else going on? And then, oh, no, he just, he just did it because he gets off on doing it. Uh, you can do it that way. And I, that's what that movie was, I guess. But I, I guess I just, I wanted more. And I, I shouldn't have... I should have known that it was going to be that because the whole movie was very simple and that's all it was. So to have it have this, you know, be some kind of underlying mystery also, I don't know. Anyway. Um, um, hey, well, now I am doing my final summary interview. I interrupt other people, but other people aren't allowed to interrupt me. That's how it works in this situation. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I thought the acting was pretty atrocious. Uh, they did. They did seem like stage actors that were not comfortable on camera. Maybe they're acting for the stage a little more than they were for the camera. So um, there's that. Uh, some were better than others, but overall, not great. I do appreciate what the artistry, the director. I thought he was pretty good, and what they did on that budget was impressive. Um, so anyway, I, I think this is just a movie. It's it's is it is it a decent movie? Sure, uh, but to give it a number. I guess I'm just going to give it like a five. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's bad. It's just an average thing. And it's incredible talking to Mike, who this is his favorite movie of all time. Of all the movies, of all the movies that have been made by all the greats, this one. This is the one he picks. Okay. All right. Different strokes for different folks. But that's, that's my review. Thanks, guys. All right. So your review is basically, it's a movie. <laughs> All right, Mike, it's a movie. If you wonder, it's it. a movie, you know, I'll, I'll do mine and then we'll let you finish. I'm, I'm going to let you finish because I want, I want to go out on a high note on this one. So my take on this movie is I think I appreciate it a little bit more than Robert. I really enjoy the stylized look and feel of it. And especially the soundtrack, but I, I do have the, I was, um, what do you call it? Preconditioned or familiar with, some of the the music from this from listening to your album multiple times and so i i was picking it up and it was really standing out to me the story yeah very straightforward and it borrows from some greek and other uh mythical stuff and i I appreciated that the acting was a little bit wooden i would agree with that and the action the fighting scenes were star trek level but the i can see why it has this cult classic feel to it like it's very much a, a piece a period piece. Like you can tell this was made in 1970 and you can appreciate it and look back on it and recognize that what they did with what they had was really quite amazing. And so I'm going to go with a 7.5 on this. So a full 25% more goodness from me. (laughs) And we will now go to Mike C.
1: Okay. uh, I don't know. This is objectively the greatest film ever made, I guess the, um, I mean, yeah, the acting, it's not bad though. Uh, I think the plot is incredibly efficient. I think efficiency is often underrated in film. Um, a lot of convoluted shit doesn't really actually pay off uh, the way we think it does. We just we see these films and they're just they're bloated, and we're hyped to to you know we're hyped by the music and, and everything leading up to it. I mean I I like this movie. I think the editing's tight. The lighting's tight. Uh, they did an insane amount of work with very little resources, and they worked very hard on something. And you can kind of see that, and yeah, it's got a sort of a science fiction quality to it, or a surreal quality, something comic book esque, um, which is again is you know derived from some limitations, and it just sort of coalesced. So you can really see that uh, multiple artists, the the character designer, the costume designer, played a you know huge impact on this, and then the director would go back and forth with her, and you know let her do whatever, and uh, it's a collection of different minds coming together for something, uh, and I think. I mean, despite it being pretty abstract and swift, I think we do get a lot of discussion about guest rights versus invasion and the violence of the, the authority of violence and how that's ultimately what protects your property and your sort of rights as a concept. Um, they do this, again, very swiftly and efficiently because it's just a quick forced march um, and in answer uh, they're they're safer on Coney Island because they're not it's not just nine guys in the gang. There's probably 100 guys in the gang that have eked out um, safety in this neighborhood. And they probably have some sort of relationship with their citizens um, to protect them and maintain a certain level of conduct. And that can't be ensured from an invading force. So it discusses a lot of those things very efficiently and as a backdrop to what's going on. Um, I don't know. I, I just I just think it's a really great film. Um, and maybe it's just you know kind of hipster. Maybe that's why I like it. Maybe it's got some sort of like a. Maybe I'm part of the you know they they call it a cult following. You know maybe that maybe that says something about the person watching it. But uh, no, I think it's uh, I think it's good. Um, I don't know, 15 out of 10, I guess.
0: 15 out of 10. All right, so so we uh, adjust for the uh, exchange rate, and that brings it down to like a nine and a half. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well,
1: I managed to uh, I, I managed to like convert this into a metaphor for uh what is it identity politics and central banking. So I mean there's something there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're referring to your or album. you can spin some yeah no, you can make
1: anything, anything else. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well very good. And Put my the of the wedge. I appreciate you being our guest. Uh yet again you are one of our favorite guests and I spell that with a U. Uh Robert, next week I think for episode eighty eight we're gonna do American History X or Conspiracy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh no dog whistling here. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Funny jokes. Ha ha we like uh, no, Funny we're gonna do joke. Back to the future, of course. We gotta go eighty eight miles an hour. And we're gonna have a guest Room. returning guest from uh he was here for it and the shining Doc Brown will be joining us to talk about Back to the Future next week when we come back. Uh 30 years, and uh we'll be space aliens and we'll go to uh the prom and introduce rock and roll, something like that. And try and have sex with our moms. Wow, that's Sweet. gross. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Last Nighters. Uh, do check it out at lastnighter.com. 87 for show notes and more. There's pre-show and post-show content available on Patreon. You can also find this on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. And do check out Mike C's work on the uh, show notes page. His album is quite good, and I highly recommend it. We'll see you next week on Back to the Future. Thanks, everyone, and good night from last night.